Thank you for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I have been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story, what my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 47. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com, where you can subscribe or follow us, and also connect to us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon. Although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com, as it is the best quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. In this episode, I talk about my experiences with Luke Steele, best known as the figurehead of Empire of the Sun, as well as the central person behind the Sleepy Jackson, Dreams, and most recently, H3000, among many other projects and collaborations. Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with Luke Steele. My first exposure to Luke was with his band The Sleepy Jackson in 2003. I had an assignment from Anthem magazine for a feature on The Sleepy Jackson and their debut album Lovers. Luke, who is Australian and was living in Perth, was in Los Angeles to promote the album. I went to pick him up at his hotel and I was in a scrambled brain state because of some guy. I told Luke, whom I didn't know at all, that I was in that state and that we were going straight to the beach so I could unscramble. It was a long drive to the beach and I told Luke the whole story. Which was basically, this guy texted me right before he was going on stage to ask me if I was showing up to his gig, which annoyed me because who texts at the last minute to see if you're showing up if they haven't been in touch with you beforehand. Luke set me straight by saying he doesn't contact anyone the day of his gigs, let alone right before going on stage. He told me to calm down and know that this guy likes me because he's thinking of me at that moment and taking the time to get in touch with me. That did help calm me down. At this point in his life, Luke looked very different to how he has looked in the last 15 years. He had a weird little mustache and some wavy hair that was all over the place and he was overweight, but he always had some heavy eyeliner. He had been out the night before at some party and he basically woke up to do this interview with me, so he was in kind of a state as well. We did the interview in the lobby of Shutters at the Beach Hotel and ate a giant plate of cookies between us. I noticed he was attracting a lot of attention and I put that in my article for Anthem, which is one of my pieces of writing that I remember as being better than my usual at the time. I also interviewed Luke for the second Sleepy Jackson album, Personality, One Was a Spider, One Was a Bird, for Under the Radar magazine. This time we did the interview over the phone and many things had changed. The cover of the album is an image of a chiseled Luke with no sign of the pudge of the first album. Luke had also gotten married to his wife Jody, whom he calls Snaps. I was teasing Luke about his new toned physique, saying he was photoshopped on the album cover where he is topless, but he assured me that he stopped eating carbs and was doing yoga lattes, which of course opened the door for me to tease him even more. Coincidentally, just that week, some guy I was briefly dating broke up with me and said he wanted to just be friends and I said I didn't want to be friends as I had had enough of them. I was talking to Luke about this and he was trying to convince me that staying friends with this person was important because we had shared something. 
We discussed it for a while, and I said I would consider it, but I didn't. Three years later, Luke had started Empire of the Sun with Nick Littlemore of Pinal. This project seemed to me to be the embodiment of everything that Luke was into. Not just the music and the songwriting, but even more so the aesthetic, the costumes, the makeup, the whole presentation. Plus, with Nick, Luke found a good counterpart who was both into the same kind of sound and visual. I told him all of this when I interviewed him about the first Empire of the Sun album, Walking on a Dream, also for Under the Radar magazine, and he agreed with me about all of it. He described himself and Nick as such. It's like I'm one wave and Nick's another wave thousands of kilometers out to sea. At four kilometers from the shore, the two waves meet, swirling. Once we hit the shore, it is this 30-meter wave that is recorded by every camera on the shore, so it is there forever. In 2013, 10 years after Luke and I first met, I interviewed him and Nick for their second Empire of the Sun album, Ice on the Dune, for Electronic Musician magazine. Things had changed significantly since their first album, which was far more successful than anything the Sleepy Jackson or Pinal had done. They wrote and recorded Ice on the Dune with two other members of Empire of the Sun, Peter Mays and Donnie Sloan. Then they took what they had to hit makers here in Los Angeles, including Benny Blanco, and had it mixed by multiple high-level mixers like Mark Spike Stent, with the intention of making it a huge album in America. Luke told me, Benny Blanco brought in 50 hi-hats, layered them up, and went through and carved out the frequencies that weren't needed for one ultimate frequency. Hi-hats don't have that sound. You bring in the frequency you need to get that sound. Blanco would bring in 40 keyboards, sample the notes, build them up, and massage it down to make one sound. Then he would do it to the second note in the chord and third note in the chord. It was endless, completely fine-tuning. Luke said that after all the treatment and processing of their sounds by these producers and mixers, Empire ended up sounding like American radio, which is what they wanted. Ironically, the biggest hit Empire has had is their song Walking on the Dream, due to its being licensed to a Honda Civic commercial. And that song they wrote together in Australia, no American doctoring involved. Empire of the Sun performed on the Jimmy Kimmel show at the time of Ice on the Dunes release and my friend Rob Swerdlow, who is a music manager, and I went and it was quite the spectacle. It was like Cirque du Soleil and even Nick, who doesn't perform live with Empire, was on stage. Personally, I think Nick puts himself on stage when it's an opportunity for him to elevate himself and he doesn't bring anything at all to the live experience. And he otherwise leaves Luke to deal with it on his own, which is a lot of responsibility. During the later Ice on the Dune tour dates, my friends Ian Ball and Ollie Peacock of the band Gomez, who know Luke from when Ian spent some time in Australia playing and producing bands there, joined him as his musicians on stage. Ian's and Ollie's presence made a big difference for Luke and for the show. Besides being amazing musicians, Ian and Luke are very close and I really feel like Luke is the most comfortable with Ian. Prior to this, every time I spoke to Luke, he would ask if I'd spoken to Ian and ask after him and his family. Honestly, I felt relief that Ian was with Luke and that Ollie was there for Ian. We saw them perform at the Hollywood Bowl and it was genuinely exciting for me to see three friends on stage. Plus, there was a whole family element to everything because Ian's son Moa was with us and Luke's daughter Sunny Tiger as well. Now. 
2016, at the time of Empire of the Sun's third album, Two Vines, I was doing a big story on the recording for Mix Magazine. By this point, not just Luke, who had moved to Los Angeles a while back, but the other three members of the band were also living here. Also by this point, it was very obvious that it was three against one with Luke by himself, with partners who don't necessarily like him as a person, but both respect and need his talent. But I don't want to make Luke sound like the super wronged person. He is a very difficult individual. He always has been. I, of course, have never experienced this personality as he is always delightful to me, but I know it is not easy to be in a band with him. I even said this in the opening line of a preview I wrote for a Sleepy Jackson show at the time of the first album for the SF Weekly. Then I remember when I first interviewed Luke for Empire, he told me, everything became so intense with the Sleepy Jackson. With Empire of the Sun, surrender is a big thing. The record is healing for both of us. I don't feel that was true anymore, but I have genuine affection for Luke and like he is someone who is on my side. So when I went to Peter's studio in downtown LA, which is in a cool old building that faces Santee Alley to interview him and Nick, I almost had a defensive attitude. But Peter and to my surprise Nick were great and I got along with them really well. Nick has done a ton of work with my friend Darren Emerson, which should have been enough of an endorsement for me, really. I also went to Donnie Sloan's house in the Hollywood Hills to interview him there. It's when you see a place like that that you realize just how much money you can actually make from music that becomes a hit, even if you're never on tour. And I went to Luke's studio in Santa Monica, which was a trip. I called this space a gothic-themed, incense-scented studio in my mix article, which I stand by. Of course, I had more boy problems at the time. This one was about some unhinged guy that was staying with me, and by then Luke was just at a loss with me and my guy problems. Which honestly, I didn't have that many of. They just seemed to line up with whenever I saw him. About his singing, Luke told me, I'm not a proper singer, I'm a character singer. The way I translate a song is by tapping into that perfect character and feel for that song. If I've been surfing on the North Shore all day, coming into the studio off a bottle of rum, and being so relaxed with a summer breeze coming in, it's a character. If that's not the final vocal, trying to recreate that sucks because it's so specific to my mood. It might take two weeks to find that again. There will be 30 tracks of vocals and we retrack it all again maybe four times until I'm in that character. It's like panning for gold with my voice, but when it's right, it's amazing. Luke's referring to the North Shore because they recorded Two Vines partially in Hawaii and partially at Henson Studios in Hollywood where they worked with Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac, which was Donnie's dream. I was invited to Henson to listen to Luke's project with Daniel Johns of Silverchair called Dreams. It was a cool project, although unstable, and it wasn't even the first time Luke and Daniel had worked together. Luke had a whole new look for this project that involved a lot of leather and spikes, which he was wearing in the studio, and I thought I might get impaled by his hugs. Daniel was wearing a huge furry coat and cat-eye lenses, which was really working for him. Luke's wife, Snaps, is the creative behind these looks, and I love the combination of the two of them as he will wear anything, and there is no limit to what she comes up with. I couldn't talk to Luke too in-depth as everyone there was trying to take a picture with them. 
If I could have talked to him, I would have given him an update as 11 days after that my father passed away and Luke would have been good to speak to about what was going on as it was a heavy time. It's interesting to me that he is such a solid person for me and such a fragile person when faced with other people. In 2019, Lawrence and I went to see Empire of the Sun perform, meaning Luke, Ian, and Ollie at the Fonda Theater, and Luke got to meet Lawrence. It was a very, very excitable meeting, and Luke told Lawrence that I was such a good girl, which was very cute. This wasn't the first time I saw Empire at that venue, and it was a very different experience. The time before was at the time of the first album, and Luke was edgy and irritable and just left the after party because he couldn't even get a drink. Again, I feel like not being completely alone on stage and having people that he knows are on his side makes a difference in Luke's mind state. Which is why I like that Ian is such a regular part of Luke's life as I feel he can be that solid person for him. And that's my snapshot of my various experiences with Luke Steele over the last 18 years. Some of my writings on Luke's various projects are linked at picturesoflily.com, but they don't include Luke's countless collaborations and compositions for other artists, including Beyonce and Steve Aoki, among many others. And Luke's album with Jared Rogers as H3000 was just released. In the next episode, I will be talking about my experiences with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lawrence Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. There is also a Pictures of Lily newsletter that goes out when each podcast episode posts that you can subscribe to on picturesoflily.com. Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.